Welcome to Dancing with Gravity, my podcast into the life of a juggler. My name is Cyril Rabat. I'm your host, and I'm French. Deal with it. I've been a professional juggler for the past 25 years, and in this episode, I would like to share with you my experience of the 27th Juggle Fest in Austin, Texas. This is, uh, as we call it in France, a juggling convention. I think here it's called a juggling festival. And it's organized by the Texas Juggling Society. Let me tell you, those guys are unbelievable. They are so welcoming and friendly and just make you feel like you need to move there now abandon your life whatever you've been doing just forget about it and just move to austin texas and juggle with those guys they're amazing i literally uh it's was it was like uh this weekend so it was like a few days ago um once this juggle fest was over so it's been like i don't know two three days i I lost count of this kind of things but it's been a few days it's over and i've been recovering from how awesome it was you know it's this kind of like experience that's so powerful and so strong the relationship with the people over there are so it's so real authentic and, and it touched me so much that I've been having kind of like a, a mini depression afterwards, you know, like when you come down from something like that. And it's funny because it's been a really long time I haven't felt like that because I, I kind of got used to that feeling because in the circus, when you travel and you you know, you, you travel and you do a gala with other people. We call it like that. I don't know why it sounds really fancy, but it's like basically you're doing a contract with other circus performers. And if the group and, you know, the, the producers and the people organizing the whole thing, if everybody's nice and it just works, uh, we, we, we say may, the mayonnaise takes... It's a French expression. Um, deal with it. Uh, when the mayonnaise takes and it works, it's it's super powerful. You, you because because there's a sense of community of trusting each other, relying on each other, and also the show, like performing a show. There's so much adrenaline going through the body. And um, it's intense. You you go through fear, ups and downs, and and so and eventually you do the show. Hopefully, um, if you're not a terrible artist, people love it. And since I'm an awesome artist, people love me. Um, 
And then suddenly it's over and everybody flies or drives or goes away. And there's an aftershock of like having lived such an in, intense experience. And in, in, in my life as a circus performer, I've been doing that all the time. And it's either in short contracts like galas or longer contract. It's the same thing, even sometimes stronger because you're in a circus or in a cabaret or in an opera or in a dance show, whatever it is, you create a show and you tour with people for sometimes a longer amount of time. Um, I think the longest was when I did a show, but well, it was not all the time. It was like two month periods with breaks over like three or four years. And that you create strong relationship, obviously with the other performers and the technicians and the people in the show. But one day that ends, um, I guess everything ends in life. It's just that in the circus or the juggling and community and the circus community, the fact that we're working with our bodies and we're having very strong experiences of going on stage and the adrenaline of all that and the ups and downs makes that the experiences are very powerful. So there's always some sort of like down afterward, but I realized because of this weekend that I haven't felt like that in a really long time because I kind of like got used to that. I got used to that feeling of knowing while I was experiencing a cool show or a cool experience, a great contract, I knew that the end was coming and that I would go back to being by myself or in my, in my world without all those people in this sense of community and create and keep creating my life and go on a different path. And But even with all my experience, this juggle fest was so powerful that it totally took me by, by surprise and and really um, blew me away. So uh, it lasted like three, four days. We had shows, a renegade show and, and a public show and, and the convention and workshops and throughout this entire experience which went pretty fast because you can't imagine in like three days it was packed I realized the last day when I woke up the last day of the convention and I had to I mean I wanted to go and, and give a workshop about um, how to warm up condition your body and stretch as a juggler because uh, that that's one of the big points I realized that a lot of juggler just don't do that and I mean, juggling is not that intense at first, but when you do it for decades or you do it a lot, eventually if you're off and you're not aware of your body or you have default or you're not aware of the positioning of your body, it can create injuries or it can create uh, it can slow you down 
or or create injuries or in pain and i realized i mean i know that because that's what happened to me uh the thing is i, I because i'm a performer and i juggle primarily to go on stage and perform and and, and that's my job like I, I don't have any other job i don't have a a day job like you call it here in america so my only source of income is is that like going on stage and performing i don't have any choice to but to i have to be able to do it so throughout my career when i had injuries uh i i couldn't really take a break or when i had to my break had to be as short as possible and i had to get back on track so it kind of like forced me to um, study the body, the anatomy, and learn very fast from the amazing um, doctors, physiotherapists, any kind of like healer that I came across and that helped me understand my body and the mechanics of my body to understand what I was doing wrong and, and learn the tools to stop doing it wrong but also reinforce strengthen and stretch my body so i can keep uh, pushing really hard so in a way it's like a give and take like you take a lot from your body by pushing it and juggling so much but you you can give and i realized a lot of juggler uh, for some reason and every juggler is different and have different reasons might not have spent a lot of time on that issue and i really wanted to share that with as many people people as possible during this festival so i i offered a uh, a workshop a very exciting workshop about juggling which will we which in which we won't be juggling at all we will simply warm up um, and learn some conditioning and reinforcement of like specific parts and muscles of the body that we need when we juggle and a few stretching thing and uh, actually a lot of people showed up and 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 i realized wow p- people have jugglers most jugglers have no idea um that this is available so um i will very soon record videos on how to warm up how to condition your body how to stretch your body and i'm going to put that all online and available on my instagram and also youtube because for some reason right now that's the two medium that seems the easiest to get into because uh maybe you don't know that but I'm so bad with social media and I just hate it. Simply just hate it. Like it's, it's just something that's very foreign to me and that don't really make any sense. I just understand that this is a huge communication tool in 2020. So I'm going to use it, but whatever. Don't Don't ask me too much about it. So stay tuned and 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 if you're interested in checking it out uh i'll put that online i'll let you know but this is this is a a big next step for me and it it was confirming i mean i've been wanting to share that it's just i don't know who's 
interested out there, you know, like I'm talking to you right now, but I sometimes I don't even know if you're listening or who's listening. And I guess it doesn't really matter in a sense because I do that primarily for myself. But now that I know that people are really eager to learn and, and to to have that information, it's very motivating for me to want to share it even more. So, uh, oh yeah, I took a tangent right now. Uh, I was about to say that by the end of the festival, I realized that there was like, I don't know, two, three, uh, two, three hundred jugglers at the fest. And I realized I do a podcast about juggling and I ramble every episode about what juggling means to me and what it meant and what it means today and what it brings into my life and how I see juggling. And I realized, my God, I have like literally hundreds of jugglers around me right now. And I could see that everyone has their own vision and relationship to juggling and I I thought that would be amazing to ask a few of them what juggling means to them and why and so I I got to interview eight people eight jugglers um, and in this episode I'm gonna play those interviews Um, one thing you need to know is that I recorded it during a juggling convention. So you're going to hear a bunch of clubs falling and people having fun and whip slashing and Diablo weird thing going whatever. And so it's not going to be as nice as I got you used to in my podcast to have like my soothing voice in your ears and this awesome sound and now you're spoiled little brat because what you're gonna hear is not like that it's it's a little more alive but if you can bear with it and just just be okay with that i mean it's still pretty awesome don't take me wrong. It's it, it's okay. You're you're not gonna suffer. So just just chillax. But I'm just letting you know. Um, there's there's basically 300 jugglers around juggling while I'm recording those interviews. Um, but it's worth it because it really. I loved it. I I really loved hearing everyone's relationship to juggling and what they get out of it and what are their dreams or what they went through and how it evolved. And, um, well, I think we should just start. So we're going to start with Steve. Um, Steve is one of the organizer. So he's part of the um, uh, Texas Juggling Society, and he's been organizing this festival for 27 years because this is the 27th edition. So he, he was, he organized the first one, um, as well as um, Jim and Deb. Um, but we're going to hear them later. We're going to start with Steve. What I'm going to do is just 
play the interviews in the order I recorded them. So I, I, I just went across different jugglers and when they were available, we just went in a corner and I um, asked a few questions. So you're going to notice that I, I keep asking the same questions because I want to have the different people's input on those same topics and you're going to hear the differences and how everyone really um, has a different relationship to juggling. But also I think if, you know, like eventually I started like um, maybe at asking deeper questions or starting like digging a little bit into it. So it's, it's interesting. It, it ev like it evolves. So I just want to keep it in like chronological order. Uh, what else you need to know? Well, no, just, just enjoy and you're welcome. I'm Steve Wiswell with the Texas Juggling Society. And you've been juggling for how long? About 40 years. You're kidding me, right? That's true, yeah. I started <laughs> in uh, high school before the internet. Didn't really know there was a world of juggling out there. Yeah. Saw an act on TV. And then I thought, okay, I can do three. I taught myself today. And then um, I found a book with crazy ideas like, wow, people can throw it behind their back. Wow. And so I was going to school, and so study, juggle, study, juggle, study, juggle. It was a perfect timing, and um, I've been juggling ever since. That's amazing. How long have you been throwing the festival here? We started uh, 27 years ago. Um, it was just a local festival in a gym, and it's slowly built up. We've been doing the show for over 10 years. Uh -huh. So it's grown with those 27 years as an outgrowth of the University of Texas Student Juggling Society. And we're still part of that as well as a independent 501C. That's awesome. So did you juggling over like the last 40 years, did, did what it means to you, meant, means to you changed? Oh, immensely. Um, I've gone from kind of being a hobbyist to part of a huge community that puts on this festival. And as I've gotten older, I've realized that I um, am a good coach. Mm -hmm. And so I've shifted my focus more to be a coach to new people. Mm -hmm. I'm not a, a high skill technical juggler, mm -hmm. but I love juggling. I love watching people learn stuff mm -hmm. and to push them along, make Have their journey a little easier. Yeah. So that's what I've been doing for the last, you know, 10 years, mm -hmm. more so than, you know, working on my own juggling skills is setting environments and yeah. coaching people. And when you started juggling, what was the inspiration there? Uh, Why? Because it's kind of like pointless. Yeah, I think it was more of a novelty. You know, nowadays, you know, kids see jugglers and then... Before they're 12, they, they do five objects. But right. we saw a couple guys on TV doing juggling. And it's like, wow, I wonder if I could do that. It was mm. just, it was so new. Mm. It wasn't something that was as well known to me in Florida where I grew up. Mm. And so it was um, curiosity. A, a, a curiosity and a challenge to say, it doesn't look that hard. I, yeah. I bet I could do that. And so I went home and you know taught myself without any knowing other jugglers or any coaching. Yeah. It's windy out here today, huh? <laughs> it's a Texas tornado, it's a Texas but tornado. yeah. Oh, I see some tumbleweeds coming by. Yeah, they'll they'll be going in a minute. If you don't like the weather, just wait five minutes. 
But, there we go. So the, but between like being curious and trying a few things and juggling for 40 years, like you stick to it. So it's, it's, it's more than just a curiosity. Like it became like a True. passion. It became yeah. like, or what? Like, yeah. Um, I think there's a naturalness. I like to dance and juggling is also something that activates my body, keeps yeah. me feeling alive rather than just, you know, sitting in front of the computer. And so it's something that I can just pick up anywhere and charge myself mm-hmm. and say, well, you know, I'm, I don't know what I'm going to do right now. I, I guess I'll just go juggle for a couple minutes. And, mm-hmm. you know, it sort of centers me and quiets my mind. And that's certainly something that's easy. I don't have to, it's not like scuba diving. You got to go, well, let's go get some dates, rent some equipment, go somewhere. You just pick up your three objects or your four or your five or your six or your seven and go after it. And that's another, it's the ease of being able to get into that space uh, instantly. So it's kind of, you know, meditative in that sense. I love it, man. Thank you so much. You bet. It's been a pleasure. All right. Steve is an amazing host and one of the nicest human being I ever met. He's, he's like, he made me and my wife, Kelly, feel so welcome. Um, so easygoing, nice, and just everything was just perfect. So a, a huge thanks to Steve. And I really appreciate um, listening to him and describing his relationship to juggling that evolved over 40 years this is really a part of his identity of who he is and and i i look up to 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 steven and just i'm learning from from him um it kind of right reminds me those same feelings and the same relationship that i have and had with juggling and sometimes I forget about it because sometimes it's so easy to think about it like uh, I have to do it because it's a job and the seriousness around that and that was a really um, it was a lot of oxygen in my world to be there around this guy and those guys Um, so The next juggler we're going to hear is Annie. She was performing in the show, um, in the public show. She's a German juggler. And I would say define her. um, I mean, that's on me because we didn't talk about that. But I would define her part of the new wave of jugglers. Like in French, in France, in the 60s, we called Nouvelle Vague, which is basically new wave. Uh, the La Nouvelle Vague was uh, the, the movie uh, directors. Um, I don't even remember the names of those directors, but like they came up with new ways to um, tell a story, have a narrative in the, the movies, and sometimes that would not make sense at first, but later. And so they, would re- they were really playing. Um, I would maybe like, compared to David David Lynch 
I don't know if you pronounce it like that, David Lynch movies, but those guys were there even earlier. So they created really like a style, like a French style. And I would compare her work to that. Um, she's really bringing a lot of poetry in her juggling and she's contributing in a huge way to the juggling world by doing what she does and she she's very impressive in her relationship to to juggling um that's it hi my name is annie annie cooper where do you come from germany but i live in portland oregon cool uh how long have you been juggling it's been the um, seven to 18 years 18 years yes cool uh-huh. Yeah, that's quite a while. <laughs> What? Why did you start juggling? Uh, because I, uh, I was 14 and I had a crush on this guy in school, and he was in the juggling club. So I thought, okay, I learned to juggle three balls, and I joined the club. Uh huh. That's that. Did you work out with the guy? It did. It took me two years, and then he he became my boyfriend. It was my first real relationship for for a couple of years. Uh huh didn't work out with us it worked out with juggling way better yeah yeah so when did the juggling shifted from being a way to find a boyfriend to something <laughs> that means something different for you um it's it started meaning something different a year after i started actually uh-huh. already when i first went to um, my, my first juggling convention the european juggling convention uh-huh. and it opened my mind to all the possibilities within juggling and i got in touch with the juggling community uh, which gave me so much i found uh, yeah all my friends were jugglers uh-huh. um, and are yeah many of my friends are within the juggling scene or spinning scene and yeah. I really appreciated the open-mindedness of the community uh-huh. and their um, hospitality. So when I've been traveling, I always had a place to stay or a way to get in touch with people in every single country I went to. So that I find, yeah, still very, very amazing and inspiring. So you would say that the juggling is also like a community for you? Oh, yes, it definitely is. Mm-hmm. Did the meaning of juggling changed for you over time? Like what it means to you? What would what, what you get out of it? Uh, definitely. Uh, it changed a lot when I started to do it professionally, obviously. That there it became a bit of a chore in some ways. Uh-huh. Um, you have to keep, you have to practice, you have to keep in shape. Um, you You have to advance and develop uh, you know you don't want to stay stagnant on the same things but grow as an artist and um, that is both a good drive and sometimes uh, it can be a bit uh, well <laughs> can be a pressure as well yeah yeah in what way um, uh, for example So I think the moment I made juggling my uh, my job, it became much more, the focus on it became much more intense. Um, and for a while, I also did circus school, and then for a while there was not much room for anything else, just time-wise. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and so, yeah, I define myself through what I do, through, through juggling. It's a big, big part of my identity. And if I don't succeed with my goals, with where I want to go artistically, if I don't develop, I feel like as a person I'm, I have a little less worth. Yeah. So is it fair to say that you might be fusing your identity as an artist with your identity as a person? Yes. Mm -hmm. Do you like it? Yes. No. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I love my job. Yeah. I, yeah, it gives yeah. me back so much. Uh -huh. And yet, of course, it's very... It's, it's like, you know, I, I put... I think in America they say putting your eggs in all in one basket. Right. So you know, if I throw that one basket, if 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 it if it falls down, all my eggs will break. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So there's a lot of pressure. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Do you, um, do you see your path with juggling evolving? Where from? where you are you're at right now mm. what's your next step with your juggling um, well this year I gonna focus on creating a new piece and um, I gonna give it it's gonna be a different approach for me this year yeah. uh, of how I do the creation process but I'm I'm very excited um, and very curious of how this this new way of working is gonna turn out for me so yeah yeah so there's always different ways yeah I feel I have just touched this very little bit of where I can go or um, as Matt Hall would say I haven't peaked yet <laughs> yeah uh -huh. so you still fe you feel you haven't peaked yet no no there's still so much so yeah so Do you much think one day you can peak no <laughs> it's endless, right? It's yes. an endless process. Yes, for sure. Isn't it the beauty of juggling? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for the interview. Wow. Isn't she thoughtful about her vision of juggling and her path and where she's coming from and where she's heading? Like, uh, she, 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 we, we need the juggling community needs to 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 look at her and her path and learn i think from her um i definitely was um how do i put that once again i was reminded of a passion and a intimate relationship with juggling watching her juggle and talking to her. Yeah, like a delicacy, something delicate, something that you can actually slow down and listen. Listen to yourself, listen to the object, and create a relationship. Beautiful beautiful person um, now we're going to listen to Jim Jim is uh, Steve partner in crime 
concerning the Texas juggling society. And I kind of lied earlier when I said that Steve was the most welcoming person I know because Jim is also the most welcoming and nicest person I know. Like those two guys are just, just amazing. Jim is um, a very thoughtful person and alongside with Steve really made us feel at home and welcome and not just welcome but like desired you know like we could I could feel they were happy and super happy I was there and and I mean what better place to be but the place where the people want you to be there and are happy you're here um, sometimes it's not that common for, jug for, for, for jugglers I mean I, I'll talk for myself like when I do you know contracts in the corporate world or I do a talk in in the corporate world and people are kind of like looking at me like what, what are you doing here exactly <laughs> what's your skill set you know like there's going to be like Microsoft's America director for innovation or whatever and there's going to be another guy from I don't know Shell Corporation and and here I am like the the juggler that's going to talk about the philosophy of juggling and how this can change your life and I'm like what's what <laughs> so I'm messing around because I, I always feel welcoming in the sense that people are kind of like, you know, it's entertaining, you know, to have a juggler around with a career in the circus industry and all that. It's like, it's entertaining. Like people are like, huh, they're curious. So I'm, I'm messing around here. But sometimes I feel a little out of place, right? Because it's like, oh, I, I got expelled from my circus school <laughs> those guys have like degrees of degrees of degrees of something they spend like 40 years at school becoming experts of something of something i mostly juggled in the street and become an expert as uh, not dropping the balls but you know in, in this world, sometimes it's not easy to compare yourself with those people because those people obviously make a lot of money. And in America, especially, like it looks like sometimes like money is the thing. So if you have a lot of it, ooh, you, you must be smart, you must be right, you must be doing the right thing. Unfortunately, as a juggler, I, I don't necessarily make a lot of money. I, I just, you know, kind of like, trying to make a living but that's pretty much it so I don't really have the card of like yeah I'm making a million dollars so I'm I must be doing the right thing no it's just no I'm, I'm just throwing stuff and trying to catch them and I'm just gonna tell you about it so Jim made me feel relevant <laughs> and welcome and exactly where I was supposed to be which was a pretty big change for once. Jim Maxwell. And where do you come from? 
Uh, Austin, Texas is home now. I originally came from Arkansas, but Austin's where I fell in love with juggling, and that's that's my, my juggler life is in Austin. Oh, cool. Uh, how long have you been juggling? About 30 years, 28, 29 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How did you start juggling? Well, I knew how to juggle as a teenager. I knew how to do a three-ball cascade. I learned that, I think, from TV, from watching somebody explain it on TV. And then uh, I saw a couple of other things on TV, like the Flying Karamazov Brothers had uh, a show on Showtime that I saw back in the 80s, and that really sparked interest. And I've, I've always kind of liked it, but then when I came to college here in Austin in '90. That's when I realized, oh, there's actually a community of juggling. And so I fell in love with social juggling. So when you mean social juggling is... uh... Uh, Passing and also just, you know, having that juggling community. I mean, this was pre-internet. And so the only, you know, the only way to interact with people was to go to meetings or festivals. And so that didn't exist, uh, you know, in the first half of my life. And then it's like, oh, this this is a whole other uh, realm here. And so I explored that. So what would you say juggling brought in your life? Oh, wow. Uh, it brought um, just, it, it made me want to stay here. So in that sense, it brought stability mm. uh, and it anchored me. It gave me uh, a community that became sort of an extended family. Uh, so it brought tranquility and, you know, friendship and kinship and all of that yeah uh did what juggling was like juggling was nourishing you did it change over time did juggling change yeah for you like the meaning of juggling what it gives to you did it change it evolve over time not really for me the the connection was with the people Uh and juggling was the vehicle and the thing in common that I have with these other people. Uh, so juggling has always served that for me. Now, I've certainly seen changes in juggling and in the juggling world Absolutely. brought about by the Internet and, and everything. So I've seen that, but the fundamental uh, thing of what juggling is for me has always been about the people. Yeah. And uh, people change, certainly. I've changed. Um, you know, time marches on, but, uh, but juggling is kind of that constant. Uh, ah, that's interesting. Yeah. That's very interesting. So now you've been organizing the festival here in Austin uh-huh. for how long? Uh, since the beginning. We started our first one in 94. This is our 27th, so 26 years. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. It's like an institution now. It is. It, it is. It's, it's got a life of its own. You know, people often ask, uh, how do you keep it going? And I'm like, I'm wondering how to stop it because I'm not right. sure I can. <laughs> That's true. I, I honestly don't think I could just turn a switch and, right. and it would stop. I mean, the community would keep going and they would, if I were to disappear, they would say, okay, how can we keep this going? Which is, which is what I wanted. That's what I, I, that I envisioned uh, to begin with was have this be something that outlives me. Yeah. For sure. Um, How did you pull it off at the beginning? Uh, It was easy at the beginning because it was just reserving a room. I was a student at the university and um, the juggling club. uh, A lot of people had gone to festivals and they'd come back with stories. And I went to my first festival up in Denton, Texas, and we handed out flyers. 
uh, for a month later, and all I did was reserve the room for two days, and about a hundred people came that Show first up. year. Yeah, a lot of them came from uh, Dallas, and some came from Houston, and some came from uh, as far away as Oklahoma City, and so that was sort of like, okay, this actually could happen right. year after year, and so that was the start of the vision, and then each year we would brainstorm together and say, okay, how can we make this a little bigger and better? And it's, it's just sort of uh, evolves from there. How do you like this edition of the festival? I love it. This has been a fantastic year. Uh, you and all the artists that have performed have made this just an amazing uh, and very memorable year. I think this one's going to stand out for a lot of us that uh, have seen you know, multiple festivals. Yeah, this one is definitely going to be ranked pretty high. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you, Jim. Sure, my pleasure. Awesome. Yeah. What did I told you? Jim is like an amour in French, we would say. Uh, the tra translation doesn't work because it's like a lover, but it's it, it doesn't. I don't mean it that way. And when you say an amour, it means in French, it means like someone that's really, really nice and and is just behaving in such a nice way that you're like oh wow this this is an amour de gym you know that so that's an expression you would say but i shouldn't translate it because uh, i don't mean it that way um but yeah you know i i do feel part of their extended family now like exactly the way he's talking about it it's it's it, it is um highly Highly, highly for the social, and, and it's totally working. Their plan and their vision from 27 years ago is totally working. Although, I would put a little... Um, uh, oh, uh, now that I use French expression, like all, all the words are coming to me in French. Bémol. Bémol is, is this thing you use in, in music, and when you... When you use the hashtag and, you know, like in music, when you write music. And the other one is, is a little B. And I don't know how you say that in English. In French, it's a bemol. And when you say that in French, it means like, mm, wait a second. Like, it's not just a perfect love story right there. It's There's a little something. And that little something is Deb. Because Jim and Steve, they're amazing and they're creating the show and they're in contact with everybody and the jugglers and the performers and they're throwing this whole thing but the truth is at the foundation of all that there's a woman and she's actually the one making it real and running the show in a sense that i'm not sure anything would work if she wasn't there making sure Um, everything is grounded and everything is on track, on schedule, and everything works. So I was honored to talk to Deb and, and listen to her and her story and why she's basically like carrying this whole enterprise since the very beginning um, and, and, giving so much to the juggling community. So I, I, I just want to make sure we acknowledge um, the people sometimes in the shadow actually making things possible because without Deb, mm, I'm not sure it would exist. My name is Deb Campbell. 
and I'm with the Texas Juggling Society here in Austin, Texas. Are you from Texas? No. I'm from Chicago area and lived a few years in Tucson, but I've been here since 1985, which is in Austin time forever. True. Okay. Um, when did you start juggle? <laughs> I'm not really a juggler. Huh. I am the wife of a juggler, and I have pretty quickly learned how to juggle three balls, but my superpower is not juggling. It is appreciation of juggling and organization of juggling and love of juggling. Hmm. So what are you getting out of juggling if you don't practice yourself? Community. Completely community and art in my life. Um, I think everybody understands how important it is to support arts, particularly in this world <laughs> right now. Uh, we have to keep the good stuff going. And my husband is an avid very accomplished juggler um, and I love that about him so I like to support that but it's way beyond that it's me loving the community here we've been doing this festival since 1994 mm -hmm. and you, you organized it for yeah, the, uh, the story? yeah I do. yeah so here's a story back in the day we started going to juggling my husband and I in like 19 87 or 88 and there was a very well established juggling community here that we walked into but there was absolutely it was come juggle leave boom and I am not that kind of person I'm a person that loves community so we got we kind of expanded in doing dinners afterwards and camping trips together and that sort of thing so that we became a lot more unified as people, yeah. not just focused on the skill, but focused on the connection. And we went to other people's uh, festivals. There was one in uh, Oklahoma that we frequented. We every year went up to Dallas. Denton had a big juggling festival in the day. And I'm driving around with my friend Jim Maxwell, who's also on the board of directors here. And I said, I have a lottery dream. And he said, what's a lottery dream? I said, if I win the lottery, what will I do? I said, my lottery dream is, is that someday we will have our own festival and I will rent out a space and we're going to have our own here in Austin. And he said, Deb, we're part of the University of Texas. We can get the place for free. Do you really want to run a festival? I was like, oh, yeah, I do. And that was it. So we started out small. And this year is our 27th. Uh -huh. And uh, we filled the magic of last night. We had the public show, as you know, which was phenomenal. Yeah. And thank you for the energy that you brought to that. It was phenomenal. But um, we have 500 tickets to sell. We used to be in an 800-seat um, theater, mm -hmm. but then they changed policies and whatever. So we're now here at the uh, Navarro pre-college high school facility, which is fantastic for the gym for the three days, but has a smaller auditorium. So we're trying to figure out the best way to downsize and sell 500 tickets. We want everybody to come and enjoy it, but the fear is, is for two years now that we're going to sell out the theater. Last year what happened was we had three tickets left over. Nobody wow. turned away. 
this year we sold 500 tickets, nobody was turned away, and we filled every seat. Wow. And so there's, there's some kind of energy or magic to being able to pull that off in this space. It's like a ton of intention. Um, and, and we pre, you know, we, and, and there wasn't a mistake made in the whole thing. And I take a great deal of pride in absolutely that because absolutely. it's not that easy to do that. No, absolutely. It's, but it's we're, we're doing it. And every year we get together and we do debriefs and try to figure out what works from the festival, what didn't work, how do we improve mm. it? And that's part of our culture as well. That's a beautiful story. I love it. I, I enjoy so much being here and part of your community and part of the show. And it's wonderful. People are absolutely wonderful. The people are wonderful. And, and there's like little things like that, that balloon installation that you've mm -hmm. seen in the gym. That's Nate Culpepper and Stacy Wheeler. And they started out, I've known Nate, goodness, for 20 years. And he used to just be one of these artists that just twisted the basic balloon animals mm -hmm. and did birthday parties. Mm -hmm. And then he has developed his art so much. Yeah. He's doing huge professional installations, award-winning stuff. Yeah. And he, like, donates time and, and energy. We give him, we give him, a, we pay him for his work, but nothing like he would make out in the corporate community right, or anything. Right, but he does it out of love. So we add that. And like, it's just like sparkle. Absolutely. It, it has nothing to do with the juggling festival, but it's like more awesomeness yeah. kind of packed into the... More art, yeah. more awesomeness, yeah. more good people. Yeah. One thing I'm particularly proud of is our focus on female jugglers, particularly within the festival. Mm -hmm. um, of course, in the 1980s, we didn't know any female jugglers. Mm -hmm. Juggling was basically a very male-dominated community. Mm -hmm. And awesome guys, <laughs> not assholes, that's for sure, yeah, great yeah. people, but hardly any women. As a matter of fact, if we got a woman juggler, all the men would go, whoa, there's a woman here in the group. And now it's evolved. Oh, and yeah. There's so many women juggling here, so, so many, talented. and they're so talented. And Delaney, for instance, uh -huh. is like wiping the floor yeah. in the competition. They're not big, serious competitions, but she's wiping the floor. Mm -hmm. And she is such an excellent, disciplined, beautiful juggler with absolutely no ego that I've detected. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she's just What amazing. do you think changed the community and the juggling world to have women included or just women part of it? When did it change? What, what helped change that? You know, that's a great question. Um, I'm going to guess at it because I certainly don't know the answer. But I think part of it has to do with the fact of who do you find in the juggling community? What kinds of people gravitate to juggling? And my experience show that they are mathematicians because they like patterns, musicians because they like patterns, computer programmers because they like patterns, you know. And they, it's a, juggling is like a physical manifestation of, of math or music or something. There's some kind of connection there. Physics, too. Physics, too. Yes. Yes. It is physics, right? It is physics. Yeah. A real manifestation of physics. Sometimes I call it 
um, ephemeral structures. We're creating like ephemeral, ephemeral structures of patterns. Once you do it, you can see it, but when you stop doing it, it disappears. Like sandcastles. Yeah. It's temporary, it's temporary art. It's completely experience. Yeah. So you take the people who, are, who like that. My husband actually describes club juggling, which is his thing, as a really sophisticated game of catch. Like the most sophisticated game of catch that you can imagine, but there's some joy and there's some the the ephemeral nature of it, the joy that mm -hmm. goes into the juggling, doesn't attract jerks. Okay, yeah. Yeah. so the the community itself is a fantastic group of people, generally mm -hmm. speaking, mm -hmm. and fantastic people generally are supportive of people of anybody, anybody. succeeding. There, you know, there, there's competition, but it's not like real it's nasty competition. Right. It's tear each other down. It's cooperation. Co yeah, cooperation, whatever you want right. to call it. Yeah. And I have seen many men here who are feminist and love to see women succeed. And the fact that that's manifested itself with with uh, Jim Maxwell and Steve Wiswell, who who make sure that the public show is amazing every year. They focused and have done for 10 years on female jugglers. I'm the one that runs the front desk and does all the organization behind the scenes and order the t-shirts and whatever. And the art this year is a female juggler. Um, I love that. I love to celebrate it. And one of my magic moments from this year's festival was one of the female jugglers coming to me and almost teary saying, oh my gosh, this is the most beautiful t-shirt and, and it's got a woman on it juggling. This is amazing. And that was like, yay, we, we did it. Absolutely. It's really good. It is. Yeah. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you for asking these wonderful questions. She's right about women juggling. It's true that uh, it, it, you we don't have like women juggler in the past, like in in the history of juggling. All those great jugglers we we know existed because we have pictures or videos or recollection of them. Uh, Rastelli and. All those amazing, amazing jugglers, like none of them are women. I, I just want to say that my main juggling teacher that I had in Russia was a woman. Her name was Nadezhda Akopovna, and Akvits. Her, her real. I mean, her name was Akvits, but in in Russia they say. The, the whatever they have something about like who is attached to the men actually huh? that's interesting so a kopovna means a kopovna so the the whatever so her name is nadezhda akvits and she she was absolutely the best juggling teacher I've ever met or saw or heard of or worked with uh, by far like she she was literally a genius 
And she was so humble and so loving and giving and understanding and patient. Because uh, I came in, I was like 25 years old. And I've been juggling at that point for a good 10 years, trying to become the best I could. Uh, already having worked with uh, different companies and having already kind of like felt I received my peers. Um, how do you say that? Like, I don't know how you say that. I'm blanking. Basically, when when your your peers look at you and recognition that's the word I'm looking for like recognition it starts with when you know when you're you're a kid it starts with your parents and hopefully every kid can get their parents father mother's recognition and and feel like seen and, and good about being their own person but eventually when you become a professional you also need that from your peers, from the other people in the industry that look at you as an equal. And at that point, I had that already. I I got from the people I was looking up to, like my peers in the circus industry, but the circus industry that, you know, like people that were older than me that I was looking up to, for many years and then eventually um, I could sense that they were treating me as a peer so I realized oh that's it I made it like I I'm accepted in by the people that I'm looking up to as a, as an equal so that's what I'm meaning like and what is, that's what I mean about like uh, recognition from my peers so at that point I'm a cocky French juggler 25 years old and I go in Moscow because I heard "Mm, I should go there and learn some of the Russian technique because they're really badass over there with juggling and I go there and Nadezhda was there and she she wasn't available when I first came in but I I told you I was young and cocky and French and I was like no I'm gonna work with her and if I can't I'm flying back right now. And so the people in the school, I, I kind of like bluff because I was like, I'm not going to go away. Like I just came in fucking Russia and I had to like wait three months to get a visa and the whole thing. But I, I, I played my cards on the table and I, I was really cocky. So I was like, I'm going all, all the way. So I bluff and I was like, I'm going away if I can't work with her. But at, at that moment, I didn't even know who she was, really. I think it was more like an intuition, like a strong intuition. If I'm here, I need to work with her. So they went to to get her because she was training another juggler at that point. Like, it was like the first day I arrive. I'm jet lagged. I show up and then I, sh- I throw a tantrum because I'm like, no, I don't want to work with anyone else but her. So they bring her in the office of the director and then I meet her for the first time. And I'm like, yeah, I want to work with you. 
And I was so determined that she was like, mm, okay. And so she added two hours every morning from 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. 8 to 10 every morning, um, six days a week. I had uh, opportunity to work with her. And it was, it was, I had like a private with her for four months. So I was dedicated to it. I was like waking up at five in the morning. So I had time to do an hour yoga, half an hour meditation, eat, uh, and really be awake. And I would show up at 7.30 and juggle for half an hour in front of the mirror, looking at my posture, trying to correct the things that I learned the day before. But even so, she was so good and so patient with me because she had to change a lot of things in my technique so I could really improve because until that point, I, I was I was self-taught. So I was like all over the place. I, I wasn't really doing anything properly. I, was, I just made it up. And, and she, she saw all the faults and all the mistakes I was doing. But she was so patient and smart about like correcting slowly one by one. And I did resisted the heck out of it a few times because a few times I was like, I'm not changing that. I'm not going to change the way I catch and hold the balls in my hand. It's too much work. I've been doing this for 10 years. There's no way. And then eventually because I was juggling probably around 10 hours a day, I realized, shit, she's right. I need to do that. I need to change. She's actually right. So eventually I listened and she she really changed my life. And now a big chunk of the juggling technique that I'm teaching I, I inherited from her. Unfortunately, she passed away uh, a few years ago now, and and it's an enormous loss for the juggling community. But I just wanted to point it out after hearing, uh, after talking to Deb and hearing her saying that, I just want to point out the best juggling teacher that ever lived, in my opinion, was a woman. Um, Nadezhda Akfitz. So, cheers to her. Now we're going to listen to Scott. Um, Scott is a old-time badass juggler that's seeking to improve and challenge himself constantly. And he, he just juggles. Like, that's what he does. Is he... Everywhere he goes, every time I saw him, whether it's at the um, juggling reunion, the juggling festival, the, the party after the show, like it, whenever I saw Scott, he was um, juggling and, and, and really doing very impressive stuff. Scott Sorensen. And where are you from? Austin, Texas. Born here? Uh, no, I was, I've been all over, but Detroit, and I was an Ohio juggler mostly, and then moved to Texas in like 98, 
and I've been in Texas ever since, in Austin about eight years. And uh, how long have you been juggling? Uh, I learned to juggle in 1985. And so aside from a three-year hiatus, I've been a practicing juggler continuously. Mm -hmm. So about 32 years now. Mm -hmm. How did you first learn to juggle? Why? Like, what happened? Oh, I had these three buddies. Well, there was three of us, and we'd hang around. So they were like best friends. We did everything together when I was 15. And so one day, I found out out of the blue, the two of them discovered they could juggle. Uh -huh. And then suddenly, they're like, okay, they're learning to pass juggling. And I'm standing around, and I, you know, I'm throwing one <laughs> ball around. I got, I got nothing with these guys. And so I, I spent um, a lot of time trying to learn how to juggle. I, I was too proud to ask anyone how, because I knew I could figure it out. I'd seen it enough. Um, and then one day, I was so frustrated after two weeks of failure that I went out one Saturday with three tennis balls and forced myself to learn and it took until sundown that day it was a Saturday all day and by the end of the day I had 33 catches mm -hmm. and I had learned it with three tennis balls so mm -hmm. I was completely hooked from that moment on I, I was all I did till sundown every day why well it was what so, hooked you oh it was so exciting the, the process of learning something completely new and discovering it for yourself mm -hmm. like going through the failure and not letting that beat you And then as a teenager, I didn't really, there wasn't a whole lot that I really pushed myself to do. Mm. You know, that the school didn't offer a whole lot, and I really wasn't into other athletics as a team, but by myself, to, to learn something and, and to feel what that was like, that was interesting and exciting and all my own, because it, it feels like it's your own thing. You discovered it on your own. What, what does the... I mean, you're describing a very powerful feeling of the, your experience of juggling. Is that still the case 30-some years later? Yeah, every, everything I work on is stuff that I feel good about and I'm passionate about. Mm -hmm. And I see so many great tricks, especially now that the online community is sharing everything mm -hmm. that we do and learn. And I see lots of things that are great, mm -hmm. but there's not a lot of that I want to put my time into. Mm -hmm. So I still go out and drill the things that I want. Mm -hmm. And I try to push myself to do harder tricks mm -hmm. that are hard for me. I, I get bored in my head if I almost have a trick or if I'm good enough to almost get that with, a, with an hour of practice. So I won't even try. I'll do something where I get that sensation of learning something really hard again. Does juggling brings other things into your life? Well, there was friends and travel um, and great experiences. Mm -hmm. And uh, so there's all of the stuff that goes around with juggling, all the different people and the personalities and, and the community. Mm -hmm. Do you, did you always find that sense of community wherever you were? I, at, at first, um, yeah, as soon as... I was trying to discover new ways to juggle and learning how to do five balls but never seeing it and trying to find someone who knew how. And we f I found a magic shop in Detroit mm. and they directed me to a club. And from the moment I finally found a club and then walked in and there's other crazy people who juggle, mm -hmm. they're like, this is, this is it. And then I'm a new kid and immediately said, let's, you know, let's go out to dinner. Come on out, get some pizza with us. Mm. And then like now I'm sharing with all these different people. I never had that before. So, like, suddenly I'm just invited in for no other reason than I walked in a room and knew how to juggle. Mm. So it's an amazing community. It is. It is. It, to me, it's, 
an amazing community of weird people. I really feel like to be a juggler, you need to be a little weird uh -huh. in some way. How, how would you describe it for yourself? You spend a lot of time in your own head yeah. and trying to get out of your own head. Yeah. So it takes a special kind of person that spends a lot of time about with themselves. Even if you're passing or you're with a group and it's just a social thing, you, mm -hmm. you have your personal things you have to overcome to be a juggler. Mm -hmm. And everyone's gone through that. So you have, some, you have a baseline that you can communicate with everyone. So there's some, an understanding in a way because everybody went through that experience. So then it creates a sense of community because we, we know what it takes to get there. Yes. So we have that shared experience. Yes. So we, yeah, that's interesting that you say that. What is the most um, challenging thing you had to overcome? Not like technically, but more like emotionally? Um, at first, um, when I had a few skills under my belt, the first thing people do is, you have to do this show. You've got to do this in front of these people. You've got to you know, put on a show. Everybody wants to see this. And I didn't want to do that. I didn't see that as something I was comfortable with. But I always remember um, quotes from different people that fear is a reason to do the thing you're afraid of. Um, and different stuff like that. And I, and I didn't want to not do something because I was afraid. So I forced myself to overcome those things to put on a show for other teenagers or mm. or to someone to say, I, I mean, all kinds of weird shows that I did when I was a, a teenager mm. um, and teaching people to juggle and stuff. So it, it forced me to come out of Michelle and overcome mm. different fears that I never expected I'd ever be involved with. That's very interesting. And did, did you, what did you find when you did those shows? Uh, well, there's a whole nother part of yourself that you didn't know you had. Mm. Like I, I did find myself um, being a different person like there's another part of your personality you've never really met or you you've met when you were with your friends and you felt really free and you're laughing and you're being silly and having fun and and, and that part of yourself that's carefree um, I found myself being able to be that on stage and being able to be this person who didn't have any concerns about anything other than sharing what I've got with other people and having a great time. So there, there's like parts of yourself that, hey, I like that part of Scott. Mm -hmm. And then I'm able to bring that out mm -hmm. when I'm performing. Do you still like to perform? Yeah, I like to perform. I don't do it a whole lot right now because I'm doing a lot of development. But lately I've been, I'll develop a piece um, that has its own unique style and feel and color and sound and then I'll want to show that and do, and do some performances with that. But then I'll put it away and then I'll work on the next thing in the thought that some of these things will all come together and the best parts of things will come together. Mm. So, so you I'm work in like an, in phases. Yes, yeah. Your yeah. creative process is like by phases. Right, I'm, I'm testing idea and mm -hmm. see how it goes and then I'll take the best parts of those, I, those ideas and at some point they'll all come together. So I'm in different phases right now. And when you say they come all together in a bigger show or like in a longer form or still in a... What kind of? It would be a longer form, right, right. Pieces that I could put together into a longer story, say, that has different parts. And each part would be different enough that you would enjoy watching a longer show because it yeah. would feel like many parts, many parts of a story. Do you feel like you want to tell a story when you do a show or you're, what's, what's your game plan? What do you want people to get out of it? 
Lately, I've been interested in telling a story. Um, the straight up performance is okay, but I think if you want an audience to remember you and what you did, you want them to go away with something. Um, so I, I think some, some kind of beginning, middle, and an end, um, and in a longer show, you'd want to tie together some other ideas together that come back around. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time, man. <laughs> Thanks. It's been fun. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. I think that's. Uh, I there's nothing that I can add to that. Like this is, there's so much in this interview with Scott. Uh, we we tackled on like so many different things. I'm so grateful he was uh, opening up and and sharing so. Uh, generously his vision and how he lives his juggling uh, every day I, I can really relate to a lot of things although I can also see how I'm very different and and I have a different um, vision and and life experience of my own juggling and I think it's amazing that because uh, he's an accomplished juggler and I I would say uh, same thing for me, although it's a little egotistical to, to, to say that about myself, but I mean, come on, I, I need to be honest here, and I, I think I'm pretty good myself, and I love that um, we, can, we, we can achieve um, and embody juggling in such different ways. It's very inspiring for me, uh, so that's badass. I think I'm going to listen to the interview right away once one more time there's so much there the the next juggler we're talking with is spencer he's a young juggler uh so that i love that because it's a different perspective he's uh i mean he's been juggling for a while but he's he's kind of like at the beginning of his path as a juggler um although not i mean whatever you'll 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 hear i mean i have the feeling what i'm saying is kind of like weird but whatever he's he's great he's great he 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 was doing a bunch of cool st stuff and he's figuring out his own path spencer androly and where are you from i live in tyler texas uh i was originally born in minnesota so yeah mm -hmm. and how long have you been juggling uh i've been juggling it's gonna be 11 years mm -hmm. And how did you stumble upon juggling? Like, how did you start juggling the first time? So, uh, my cousin, who actually completed three years of circus school in Belgium, uh, he, uh, he was just juggling with some friends one day, and I kind of wanted to hang out with him, because my cousin's, like, the only guy out of all my cousins. Uh -huh. So, uh, yeah, I just asked him, like, to teach me and he taught me three balls the basics that day I got it and I kind of kept going and like yeah learned from him like me and him still still talk and like talk about concepts and different stuff so yeah cool awesome uh, what what hooked you in juggling why 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 did you keep juggling ah for me I I don't know. I'm not sure. I feel like it's always been something kind of like I was made kind of to do in a way. Like, um, I don't know. I've, I've noticed, obviously, I've become more fidgety since I've been a juggler. So 
I don't know, actually. Like, I, I think maybe how my, how I've improved a lot, and I keep improving. Like my, I guess, I guess that keeps me going. Cause I feel like if I didn't, if I didn't, like improve, uh, enough, I might have dropped it. But like, yeah, I just, yeah, it's. It feels like it's something that's mine. Like it's my thing that not a lot of people around me do. And it's like, I don't know. Like it's a good, it's a good thing that I personally do. So I don't know. So it gives a sense of personality and a sense of who you are. Exactly. So it's part of who you are. Uh, Yeah, essentially. Yeah. I, as I think of like who I am in a way, like I think like juggling is a huge part and obviously not the only part but like uh, I think I don't know it's something I don't follow the crowd for it's something that challenges me personally that I don't feel challenges a lot of people around me like I don't like I don't do it because a lot of people do it I do it because I love it and I want to improve and I want to push the limits of it so yeah what do you get out of it uh, well, I, I feel like at least for recently, I've been getting out like a sense of maybe fulfillment, like of like, I've been pushing tricks, um, and it's a sense of like, I don't know, maybe like productivity in a way, like that I'm doing something like important. Like when I, like I recently broke five ring pancake world record. And I'm Congrats. Like, yeah, thank you. And, like, for me, it's, like, to think that I'm making that, that mark in juggling, it gives me, like, a sense of fulfillment. Like, I don't know. Like, yeah, a sense of fulfillment, essentially. Yeah. Do you realize that juggling is ephemeral and does not exist if you stop doing it? Have you ever thought of that? Um, I'm saying that because... The accomplishment disappears as soon as you stop doing it. Yeah, I I, I agree with that. Yeah, yeah. It only exists because you're you're physically doing it, and then the moment you stop, it's not there anymore. And for me, that's part of the beauty and the poetry of juggling. Yeah, yeah I um, I like the quote by Eric Aberg, like juggling is like. It's like a building that lasts for a short time, and like I, I don't, I forgot the exact quote, but like I, I saw it on Facebook. It's like, it's like a building that like is constructed by the pattern, and lasts a short time. Yeah. So I, I think that's like a good way to put it. Like, it's yeah, it's it's an art. So. Yeah. Do, uh, did it change like what you get out of juggling over time for you? Did it evolved? Uh. Yeah, yes. Uh, like, when I was younger, I feel like uh, juggling was, I wanted to be, like, the best. Like, I looked up to the best, and I was, like, I, I'm striving for that. And at the moment, I feel like I, I want to be, like, in a way, like, not trying to sound cocky in a way, but better than the best. Like, push juggling in a way it's never been pushed before. Like, do tricks that didn't haven't been been done like do the things that are missing Mm -hmm. like in juggling and yeah like yeah i think it's just it's just grown evolved a step Mm -hmm. as i've become a better juggler like 
Well, yeah, like, yeah. Well, that's amazing. I think it's a great uh, aim to, to have that goal. I mean, I had the same goal when I was then when I started juggling. I, I was also I looked up to the best jugger I could find, and I was like, I want to be as good as this guy, at least, you know, and then push. Yeah, I think that's a good step too, though, because like inspiration is important to keep going. Uh, so, so yeah, I think I think when we're younger, it's good to look up to the best, um, and I sometimes feel it's good to look up to people at the same level as you so it doesn't discourage you in a way so i yeah i i think i think that's very effective so you've been juggling for 11 years right correct yeah so basically you've been you started juggling internet was already there and social media was was starting so you've been able to reach out online and see pretty much most of the world top juggling right away. What, how did you deal with that? Was it discouraging or was it inspiring? Uh, yeah, um, I thought, honestly, like, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much an opti optimistic person. Like, usually I don't, uh, I, I don't like saying no, like, like, as a rule for myself, I don't like saying no, I'll never do that. I kind of like, Uh, I kind of like seeing, like, I go, like, I want to try that more than, like, it doesn't hurt to try. Um, so my point is, <laughs> when I, yeah, when I was younger, I came across one thing that, like, really caught my attention was the WJF, the World Juggling Federation, uh, and that, that really, like, made a sense that juggling was just awesome, like, that, like... <laughs> Have you seen like the WJF3 trailer? Like, no. okay. So it's 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 kind of like a dramatic, like, competitive oh, juggling, right, like. Right, 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 right. Yeah, and like they have like the radio intense voice, like it it, it made it, it made juggling look really appealing. So I came across that, and that probably just hooked me to juggling and made me strive to 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 keep going because. Like, yeah, Vova, Thomas Dietz, all, all of them, like, did, like, crazy stuff. So those primarily motivated me because of the Internet. And, yeah, years later, I made it to the WJF and won 2017. So, nice. yeah. So it's, it's, yeah, I think the Internet, I think without the Internet, I think I wouldn't have progressed that much. Like, yeah, the Internet is just amazing now. So it was a motivation. Yeah. It was like a, a fuel for yeah. your juggling. Yeah. Like, sometimes I wonder, like, how was someone juggling seven clubs in the 70s? Like, Kit Summers, that's here. Like, I, I'm just mind-blown, like, how how they could go all the way to that level without inspiration. Mm -hmm. Like, from, well, they probably had direct inspiration in person, but, like, if you don't have that, it'd be pretty hard to become a juggler mm -hmm. of that intensity so mm -hmm. yeah do you see juggling evolve from there in 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 different direction for you and take different form like in the next steps of your life yeah um for me the past couple of years of course like my technique has kept improving um but i feel like um my creativity as well like because i was uh, in the beginning influenced by the 
WJF. Um, and, and like, I saw juggling as that for, for a little bit. But, um, but uh, I, I feel like now I see, like, Zach McAllister, for example, that he, he's become very creative in that way. Mm. So, like, in the past years, my juggling has kind of evolved in a way to become, like, technical and creative. Like, try to combine, like, like the both, both of them. Like, um, I think, uh, like, instead of just doing a plain tr- hard trick that someone has done, try to find a good creativity like point to add to it like so we can improve juggling instead of keep repeating the same tricks so i i feel like my juggling has grown in a way in that way so would it be to have like a your own style or because you talk a lot about juggling like you want to contribute to juggling and in a way add things to juggling and then let them go so other juggler can benefit from it so you can like i don't know i have a sense that you see it as a discipline and as an art form in itself and you want to be part of it and contribute to it do you think about your own art like artist personality and juggler personality in that I do, I do think a lot, like, about, um, about, like, what, what artist I'm going to be, because, of course, like, for me, my dream is to make a living doing juggling, whatever that means, uh, and performing would honestly be the best job ever, um, and, uh, um, like, I've, I've been asked before, uh, like, You, gotta, you have to know what, what juggler you're going to be different from the other person, which is a good thing to think about, and it's a really hard question, too. Uh, so, honestly, I, I'm, not, I'm not exactly sure about what, what um, artist I'm supposed to be, but obviously I think te- being a technical juggler is a part of me that I won't really let go. But I want to grow, of course, more in creativity. Uh, but as like a stage character, I I haven't gotten there yet. So cool. Take your time. Yeah. There's no rush. <laughs> yeah. How old are you? 18. It's yeah. fine. Yeah. You have time. <laughs> you're good. You're good. You're all set. All right. <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah. No problem. I will totally follow Spencer because he has big dreams and aspirations and that's awesome i i absolutely love it i want to see what what's gonna happen and what's gonna get out of this guy this artist this uh young artist if someone can find the quote he was talking about uh from eric i have no idea what he was talking about and i i i'm bad at like doing research on internet finding this is just gonna I'm going to spend a whole day and get very frustrated. So if someone knows that quote, that would be cool to just like uh, share it. So we, we, we yeah. Uh, what else? Oh, yeah. I realized that during that interview, I mean, during all the interviews, I had no idea how to use the microphone I was using. Not like the one I'm using right now that that, that I've been using since the beginning, but it's, it's, it's kind of like a bigger... 
uh, microphone to for a studio. Uh, although you should see where I'm recording that right now. <laughs> I'm a, I'm in a summer uh, room uh, in a house in uh, Phoenix, Arizona, and I just did a little uh, installation in my corner right there. And so there's nothing fancy about that, but the microphone is pretty good. So it sounds my voice sounds pretty nice to your ears but uh the other microphone that i just plug on my phone i had no idea that i wasn't supposed to hold it that close to my face so every time i talk i'm like putting the microphone like really close to my to my mouth and and my voice always sounds like saturated but fortunately uh the people i was interviewing uh because I didn't want to like just shove it in their face and be super weird. I, I kept it at a distance, which is much better. So uh, note to myself right now, don't don't shove the microphone on my face. Uh, not this one. This one is uh, different. I might have, I should have done a few tests, I guess, but this whole operation of a podcast is uh, an experiment. And if I spend too much time trying to make it perfect, I'm never going to do it. Uh, the problem is that I'm a, I'm a perfectionist. So if I listen to it too much, if I retry to whatever, I just record, post it, period. You like it. I love you. You don't like it. I love you too. It doesn't matter to me. Um, you You can feel and live your life however you see fit. I still love you. Now we're going to have a talk with Peter. This is an old-time juggler, uh, I think, with a bunch of word records, um, uh, which is cool. And he's interested in uh, the body mechanics and improving his posture and overall juggling, not necessarily, I think, technically, but more like how to sustain that over time because he's getting older like i am and um yeah i told you about that like i i was kind of forced to look into that because that's my job and that's how i make my money but for peter um that wasn't like the same um incentives or like the same struggle and it's i'm very interested in listening to him because he he has a very cool path but also very specific relationship to juggling and the struggle he went through with that i mean i'm not sure i should call it struggle but just you know like his history and what he's developing with juggling is really cool it, it made me think of like um nearly like therapeutic like in a in a place of like discovering yourself and asking yourself the tough questions and i think i'm digressing right now i i i um i'm gonna listen to it with you guys peter caseman and where are you from madison wisconsin and where do you live madison wisconsin <laughs> awesome uh, how, how long have you been juggling almost 31 years cool and how did you first learn to juggle I feel like 
juggling was not a question of uh, if I was going to learn, but a matter of when I was going to learn. I wanted to learn when I was about eight, but uh, it didn't happen. But then when I was 14, I found a book at a used bookstore and, and made myself some beanbags and taught myself to juggle. Wow, so between eight and 14 years old, you kind of like was seeking that knowledge? Maybe at some level. Um, when I was very small, I learned to crawl, and then two weeks later, I learned to walk, and so I don't think that I developed enough cross-patterning in my brain, and I think that at some level, I was, was looking for that. And so, Absolutely. Yeah. And so I felt like juggling was that. It also appealed to me because it was kind of like magic, but you weren't trying to trick people. And so um, when I taught myself to juggle, I didn't see other jugglers for a long time. And uh, I had just an eight-foot ceiling, so I learned to juggle on my knees. And so then I learned to juggle five and seven balls reverse cascade. And I didn't know that I was doing it different from other people because it's easier to avoid your knees when you're using outside throws. And so I could got I got over 20 catches of seven balls before I knew I was doing it different than every other, everybody else. Wow. And when did you finally learn? I don't actually know. But, I mean, my, my record, I was up in the 90s with seven balls before with reverse cascade before I started working very much on regular cascade. And... Uh, It's helped me a lot because I do a lot of, uh, or I have done in the past, a lot of ball passing in one count. And so you have the outside throws for one person. And so I've had... So you're uh, that person. I'm that person yeah. all the time, yes. <laughs> and so I've, you know, I've had set world records from 11 to 16 balls. Wow. And uh, yes, with, with different people and it's been a lot of fun. So what has juggling meant to you when you first started and you were juggling on your knees and you're so passionate about it what why what did did you do that uh doing things for the first time um i now like juggling because it's allowing my part of my brain that i can't control to do so many things that i can't do with the part of my brain that i can control i don't know if that was appealing to me back then or not um i was kind of a very shy person and so I felt more comfortable doing things by myself sometimes and so juggling was a activity that was active that uh, I could do by myself and it was just the, you know the, the uh, possibilities were endless and so that uh, you know it was always more to learn you can learn more three ball tricks or you can learn more numbers or you can do a combination of things and just having having things that you're accomplishing in a, in a very concrete way. You can tell that you got more catches today than you did yesterday. That appealed to me as a, as a, like a way of showing progress in my life. And then when I was uh, into juggling a few years, I was in the Guinness Book of World Records and that really like, you know, people would say, oh, you're a juggler, do you do clowning? And I'm like, no, I, I juggle lots of numbers. And then when I could say that I was in the Guinness Book of World Records, it really felt like it was a turning point in my life as far as saying, I'm important, I've been recognized, this, you know... When was that? This was, uh, well, I learned to juggle when I was 14, and this was, I believe, six years later, and so uh, when I was around 20, um, and I was still very shy at that time. Did you, did you have internet at that time? I'm, internet? No. So there's no internet. How did you, you figure out everything, you just made it up by yourself? 
when I had been juggling for about two years, I went to some festivals that were nearby, and then I started going to the Madison Area Jugglers, where they meet two times a week, and so I had other jugglers there, um, and I quickly became better than the other people, and so I spent a lot of time passing with people that weren't as good, and I would focus on getting my pass, you know, catching absolutely everything I could possibly reach, and then also just trying to get perfect passes to everybody. And then I had jugglers that were better than me, not too far away. So I'm in Madison, Wisconsin. So um, I've passed with people in Ohio and passed with people in Minnesota and Iowa and stuff like that that were very much better than I was. And you know, my ball passing pay partners have been better than I was. And I've passed with clubs with a lot of people that are better than I am. And I just, it's, it's brought a lot of uh, joy to my life. What, what is it bringing now? Wow, that's a very good question. It's uh, something that's still, you know, still has a sense of accomplishment. And I realized in the past, a lot of times when I would practice, it would be to get better to, for future enjoyment. And now I'm very much trying to enjoy every time I practice, not think about wait until this pattern becomes more comfortable, but rather let's enjoy this process, let's enjoy this pattern now, this, this time with other jugglers. Some of my very best friendships have come through juggling. My wife I met through juggling. We have three sons and they all juggle. Um, our, our oldest son is, is quite a good juggler now. We, we've you know, won a gold medal at the IJA together wow. as a father and son. Um, wow, that's, that's amazing. Yeah, and we've uh, gone to Europe the last two New Year's to, to pass at uh, Pass Out Convention, uh, the two of us, and I think that that is really changed the relationship I have with my oldest son and we have that connection and traveling together with him and having one-on-one -on -one time with him really feels like it's made a connection that that can then withstand other day-to-day -day troubles or, or other things. How old is he? He's 15 now. What's his name? Tony. That's that's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. I mean uh, that's pretty rare, actually, to have that kind of relationship with your children. You know, I mean, it, it can be so tricky to build a, a relationship that is not only like parenting and, and, you know, yes, no, putting the boundaries, but actually have something else to share. Absolutely. And when we go to like the Pass Out Festivals, it's set up that he goes and he participates as an adult. He knows where he's sleeping, he knows where the food is, he gets his food, he takes his turn doing the dishes, he takes his turn cooking. His schedule can be different from mine. I can go to bed two hours before he does the next night. He can sleep in late, it just, it, we're, we're completely equals there. Um, and he's very smart and so he likes playing the board games with the people there and he's, you know, there are a lot of very smart people there that are, treat everybody as equals. And it's, you know, there's a little bit of maybe, if better passers are, People want to pass with them a little bit more, but it's but everything else. It's you're a human that juggles. I'm a human that juggles. Not I'm 30 and I have this degree, and you're a teenager and you don't matter. Whereas I think too much in our society, we don't uh, value kids enough, and so this is an area where it's so much more accepting. And it's you know in sports, you're not as good a player as I am. Whereas in juggling, I think a lot of times you're not as good yet. You know, people people see potential, and they accept, and they realize that uh, a it doesn't matter how good you are, and b you know 
they see more potential, I think, than they do in other areas sometimes. Absolutely. Do you think it's something inherent to juggling? Or to the juggling community? I guess I don't know enough about all the other communities. So, um, and I've talked to people about whether they think that jugglers are inherently nicer people than other people. And I've got different opinions on that. Um, and then the, that also brings up the question, does juggling make you a nicer person? Or does it attract nicer people? I, I think that people, as a, as a general rule, are jugglers are nicer people. And I think that uh, the support for each other in the juggling community may be stronger than it is in other communities that have are inherently based more on competition than juggling is. I think, I mean, magicians want to hide their tricks, other people, I mean, it may be different for like acrobatics or other circus disciplines where people are very supportive and want to help each other be the best they can. I don't know enough about that. Well, I find it interesting that you say that because on another hand, in America, juggling is really based on competition and breaking records and... Um... I would disagree with that. I think a few, for a few people it is. But for the majority of people, people are here to have fun and support and, and learn things and teach things and share things and, and, and be with other people. Yes, there are more competitions here than there are in Europe, but that's still a very small fraction of the jugglers who are worried about the competitive aspect of it. I like hearing that. I mean, actually, that's my experience right now here. Being, being during this uh, festival this weekend is like the experience is not about the competition at all. It's really about sharing the community, learning from each other, and everybody, you're right, everybody juggles with each other, and it doesn't really matter the level you're at. And that's very powerful. And I actually never thought of it that way, realizing that it's true that it's one of the weird, different kind of... Um, Uh, things you can do where there, there's not much competition. It's more about sharing. Absolutely. I think that a lot of jugglers want juggling as a whole to get to a higher level or, or um, want to share things that they already know and, and really get a lot of satisfaction out of seeing people learn tricks. And, you know, you, when you go up and suggest, hey, have you ever tried this? And the person tries it and they get it and, and they're happy and you're happy. And, and, and you know, it's, it's, it's all about sharing, I think experiences as well as knowledge and yeah so now do you share a lot not as much as I should I, th I think that uh, in almost all aspects of my life I'm a very giving person but for juggling I do it uh, sometimes selfishly and I'll, if there are a lot of people there I'll still want to pass with the best people mm -hmm. for my own enjoyment whereas other people are better at, at bringing in the people that are not as good and and, and Um, enjoying that, so maybe I'm a little bit of a hypocrite, but uh, I feel that, uh, yeah, the juggling, I know I've never done very much performing, and um, that's not a, a focus of mine. My, my enjoyment is doing things for the first time, and my favorite pattern is always the one that I can't quite do. And so um, it's, it doesn't necessarily lead for a very satisfying experience because you're, you know, you're never really fully happy doing the juggling because you always think I could do this just Next a little step. bit better. Yes, exactly. Yes. And so I think that's kind of how I look at life. And, I th you know, I think a lot of people juggle in a way 
that they participate in life. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm a little bit lost as far as the, where I was the question. But uh, well, there, it's just more, I there's no question. I don't okay. know what was okay. the question. I, okay. I love just hearing you uh, talking about what juggling means to you. Thank you, yeah. That's really w what I'm interested in. Because uh, it does mean different things for different juggler. Absolutely. And I know that there are people that have a pattern that they can do that they really enjoy doing and want to just do it for hours, and they're happy with that. Mm -hmm. And I think that's fantastic. And, exactly. and part of me is a little bit sad that I'm not that way. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> That you're, like, pushing yourself so much and maybe competing with yourself. Exactly, yes. Not, not being satisfied. I think that if I were... You know, and that kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier about always learning this pattern so I could do the harder pattern or work on this pattern so I can get better at this pattern. If I were more satisfied with my juggling and my life, then I, I think I could be a happier person. Do you think this will ever come? I'm working on it. I'm definitely working on it. Um, and I think I am becoming less competitive. Um, and maybe that has partly to do with, the, you know, a, it's, it's harder to progress as I'm getting older. Right now, I'm I'm 43 or 44, um, and so uh, you put in two hours of practice now, and it, you don't make as much progress as you did when you were 14. Um, and so. And also, I, for me, I feel the technique, is, the difficulty in the technique is exponential. Absolutely. So the better you get, the hard, the harder the next step is going to be. Right. Yes. I mean, I, my I like working on seven clubs, but it's. Very, very hard to make any progress at all. Yes, yes. And, and it's like a thousand times harder than five. Yes. It's not like two times harder. It's like a thousand times harder. Absolutely, yes, yes. But it's still when it, when it's working, there's not no better feeling in the world than having that pattern working and being able to do that and and looking at what your brain and your body are doing without without your conscious brain yeah. thinking about it or controlling things. Yeah. Absolutely. Thanks, man. Thank you you're, so much. You're very welcome. The, the good talk. Well, I wasn't totally off topic. It is a life um, learning process for my friend Peter. And I really enjoyed... I mean, there's a, more of our talk. And we kept talking after I turned off the mic. And, and we kept tackling different... Uh, aspect of juggling and the 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 way we 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 went through our life and our relationship to juggling and uh, I wish I haven't turned off the mic actually because uh, it kept being very interesting but I mean we'll we'll have time to get back together and keep philosophizing about life and juggling and what it does. Uh, I I really appreciate his honesty and and also his his relationship with his son and what he's accomplishing as a father. Uh, I'm a father myself, and I, I recognize the challenges of raising children, but also as they grow, start shifting my relationship with my children, so I'm not necessarily only their father, but. I can have a relationship because one day they're going to be adults and, and uh, I'm turning 40. And when I, I see my parents, I don't, I don't want them to see me as, as a 12 year old little boy anymore because I'm not, 
but it can be challenging sometimes, right? Like your parents are like you're 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 forever their children, and it's kind of something I don't necessarily want to re- replicate. And I do want to see my children eventually as adults because one day they will be, and I won't be there anymore to raise them or to tell them what's right or wrong. I I can definitely share my opinion with them if they want to listen or if they're interested, but it won't be the same relationship than when they're kids. And I absolutely am the, the father and I, I, I do have a say and I do say where are the boundaries and what's right and wrong. So I, I was very moved by um, his story and how Peter developed his relationship with Tony, his son, and, and where it's going. This is uh, pretty rare, I feel, and pretty remarkable. I don't know if it's rare, but it's remarkable. Remarkable, uh, for sure. So we're going to move on to our last uh, interview, and it's with Kate. Uh, she was part of the show, uh, the public show, and she's a longtime street performer. And I think she's going into a, a new phase of her creativity. And we do share some similar experiences as uh, performers and street performers and how we uh, grow and, and the challenges we go through because uh, we're around the same age and uh, you start feeling the body slowing down and getting older. And it doesn't mean... As a juggler, you have to stop, uh, which is great because juggling is hopefully something like music, uh, playing an instrument that you can do for a very long time. Uh, Contortion, on the other hand, has a kind of like a limited lifespan, uh, unfortunately. Although I did meet contortionists in their like late 50s and early 60s. Uh, although you really need to be smart about it uh, and maybe also have a get lucky with your DNA or something that could be part of it too but for jugglers I feel it's more accessible to to grow old and and keep being a juggler Uh, but it still has its challenges and so that's what we're tackling on with Kate Uh, Kate Flaherty and where do you come from I live in Boston but I'm originally from Florida and when did you first start juggling? Uh, I was 18 years old, actually, so a little bit later than a lot of people. How did you come across juggling? So I had uh, some cousins that had been in a, a recreational circus program at their university, and uh, they tried to teach me to juggle when I was like 10, and I couldn't get it. And then finally one day I tried again when I was 18, and it worked. And then I joined the same circus program that they were in, and then I just didn't stop juggling for like five years, maybe. I mean, you know, it's almost been 20 years now, but like that first five to eight years, it was just all day, every day, as much as I could. I couldn't even stop. (laughs) Why? Why? I don't know. Probably not unhealthy mental health problems, but... (laughs) 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 No... No, I don't know. I think a lot of people who are obsessive about things have something maybe that they're looking for. And so if they pour all of their 
you know, sort of emotional energy into trying to get good at something, then at least they know that they are accomplishing something with themselves. And also, it's real cool. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's no, fun. Yeah. So a sense of fulfillment. Yeah, and there's something extremely satisfying about, you know, learning something new is always exciting. And then just having the feeling in your hands of being able to manipulate an object, of like that intimate knowledge of, of, uh, of control that you can place something somewhere and it will be there and then you can catch it again and it, you can make something beautiful out of these very ordinary objects. Mm-hmm. Did the meaning of juggling changed over the years for you? Um, yes, I think so. I mean, when I first... When I first started, I, you know, I really wanted to get good at it, but maybe I wasn't doing it in a, in a very healthy way. But now I've come to maybe more appreciate it for the love of the craft itself. Um, I don't know. It, it's, in my show, I don't do very much juggling. So a lot of the highly technical juggling that I do in practice is really for me. It's for my own sense of um, fulfillment, to be able to, to, to relax. Are you still trying to progress, to push? Yeah, I, I had like maybe eight to ten years in the middle there where I didn't push very hard. Probably from the time after I got out of circus school, I pushed still for like a year or two, but then for probably like five or six years, I was just doing what I needed to do in my show. But in the last like three or four years, I have found new skills that, um, that I started to understand. And that sparked that love again, you know? Because you get to that plateau and it, it feels like every little ounce, like every little ounce of progress you make takes a ton of effort. So it's hard to stay passionate and pursue it when all you're doing is the same things you've been doing but but learning a couple of new tricks like learning top box and then making progress on seven has really gotten me excited about juggling and I feel like a new juggler again like it feels as exciting as it used to feel except that my shoulders and elbows and wrists hurt a lot more because right. <laughs> your body is getting older it is it do is. you do something different uh, in your practice of juggling because of that Yes, yes, I do. Um, I do a lot of like um, I do a lot of warm up work. I do a lot of stabilization. I do um, exercises with elastic to make sure that I'm strong enough to be able to push the balls high enough to 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 be able to practice more effectively. Mm-hmm. Because if you're not strong enough to juggle, then you're only limited to to getting better incrementally through practice. Mm-hmm. But if you're stronger than the amount that you need to practice, then you can practice for longer. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, warm-up, reinforcement, stretching, basically taking better care of your body. Do, do you think you needed to take care of your body when you were younger and you just didn't know it? Or is it really different now? I think you can get away with it when you're younger. Like, I worked on it, but I didn't have to. I just had that strength and my joints were strong. But now, if I don't, then I can't. So. And do you think 
it's because you overused them when you were younger or do you think it's just a natural process? Possibly both. You know, I have a lot of accumulated injuries from being a hand balancer for 20 years. Like it, you know, n even if you take very good care of your body, like things happen, you get strains and you develop like muscle issues and tendon issues and that just adds up over the years. You know, I don't think like human bodies were necessarily meant to take all of the force that we put on it forever. Absolutely. I, I think, yeah, circus is a very challenging discipline because it's very taxing on the body. One of my goal is to really focus on like how to do it the most efficiently and gently possible to still do it, but without all the injuries. Yeah. Th that would be cool. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And there's also a trade-off as well. Like when I was younger, you could rely on your like strength to get you through. But now after 20 years of juggling, I feel like I have better vision. Like I see and I feel the balls much better in the air than I did when I was younger. So I'm able to make these same high throws, but with better technique, with a lot less effort. So even though I'm maybe losing on my ability to recover from injury or my maybe I don't feel that I've lost too much speed but even even though you know my body is getting older I'm still able to make progress because my technique has gotten so much better that's a, a very important point I, I feel yeah and you know maybe if I had learned to juggle when I was 10 the I would have that extra 10 years for these lessons to percolate through and I would have learned a lot of these lessons when I was 20 instead of learning them in my 30s but how do you feel about that um you know I have I have found ways to make juggling mine within the abilities that I have and in some ways like obviously I'm probably never going to qualify nine balls like I don't know that it's going to be physically possible for me to do that but at the same time I have um, it's like you know when you're in high school and your teacher gives you a writing prompt and you like have to write a story about this particular topic like you're lost in the woods or something and having that constraint allows you to be freer and more creative within the constraint that you have placed on you. And I have found that having physical constraints or constraints about the top end of my ability has allowed me to work within my ability to come up with new and creative ways to combine the juggling that I can do. So, so you're becoming creative and resourceful from that first late start. Yeah, I think so. And also I think, um, You know, I, for me, I love to be on stage. That's the main thing. Like, I like to juggle. I really enjoy it. But it, it, as far as, like, a hobbyist juggler who purely loves juggling and, like, will practice for hours and hours, and, and the thing that they love is the juggling, I really like the juggling. I enjoy the juggling, but I love to be on stage. So for me, I want to use the juggling as a medium to express myself on stage. Like, I'm... I'm just as happy doing juggling or rollabola or handstands as long as I feel like I am present and have a nice connection with the audience. So I'm not, I'm not as concerned about never reaching a, a, like a top end of like world records or anything. 
But at the same time, man, I could do a five up pirouette. Mm. Like that's legit. That's a good. That's a good trick. You know, I could qualify seven balls. Like, mm. I could do five stack rollabola, qualify seven balls, one handed handstand. That's a lot to achieve for starting at 18. Like. Absolutely, absolutely. That's huge. That's huge. I started seriously at 18 too, so I was I knew how to juggle forever, and I was like you know playing around when i was a teenager but like at 18 i was like okay i'm gonna become a circus performer so at that age i didn't know how to juggle five balls you know I, it was like pretty far so i felt the same thing too like hitting like 25 years old and plus i was like looking behind me and seeing jugglers like they were like 15 years old and they were better than me and i was like damn i have like 10 year um 10 year late but as you're saying, it forces you to focus and find the right, like your abilities and your creativity and your personality into that space and be more strategic and smarter about it and more creative about it. So I, I can relate to, to what you're saying. And you did accomplish a lot. You're an accomplished artist and performer. Yeah, no, I, I think so. And honestly... You know, for me, I love to juggle and I love to display big skills. But at the end of the day, it's so what we do is so unrelatable to people that you have to, even if you're presenting nine balls, like people remember how you make them feel, not about what you actually do. Like people can't... The exact number or the exact trick because they have no idea. Exactly. Like, people can't tell the difference between 4x6 and 6x4. They don't have any idea. They just know that it's, it's cascade and then it changes. Mm -hmm. And that change it, it allows them to feel something, to see something. Mm -hmm. But however you accomplish that, uh, however you accomplish that communication that you have with the audience, you can do the same thing with three knives on a rollabola as you can with nine balls. Mm -hmm. But that's not to say that learning nine balls is useless. Like, you just have to use the same uh, techniques to make that emotional connection. So, like... Absolutely. That's a very good point. I love it. Thank you so much. Sure, no problem. It's very nice to talk to you. <laughs> Damn, that was a good interview. I'm pretty good at, at interviewing people. <laughs> I'm going to throw myself a few roses right now. I mean, remember, I'm French. Deal with it. So I actually realized there's many other artists and jugglers that I wish I had talked to, but it went by really fast, and I kind of like had this idea last minute. So I did what I could, but I just want to acknowledge the other artists in the show and that I, the amazing artists and jugglers that I met. And there was Ray Bellstock, Warren Hammond, Thomas Goo, Tank, uh, special wink to Tank. I've been working with her for a while on her new act, and she did freaking amazing at the public show, so I'm really proud of her. Uh, Jess Patterson, D Delaney Bales, Zach McAllister. Uh, shit, there's, there's a lot of people that... I, I missed, but well, that's how it is. And and hundreds of jugglers uh, during the festival. So, well, that that's that's what you get. I'm a little messy for a juggler, but I'm gonna roll with it. And I just want to acknowledge also one more person, and uh, that person 
is um, wait a second. I I need to uh, say the name correctly because that's that's a name I've never saw saw before. So uh, you say Kenton, I think. I knew Ken. I I didn't know you ton, and now I knew I know Kenton. And so Kenton was our host in Austin, and he was a fantastic host, and I really appreciate him having us in his house and hosting us. So I think, I think, yeah, I think I'm going to stop because that's like a two-hour podcast right now. So if, if you listen to the whole thing and you went through with it, congratulations. Uh, I think, yeah, I'm in love with that. I'm going to try to do more juggling festivals in the U.S. and, and actually do that, talk more with jugglers because that's so cool. That's exactly why I started the podcast. I'm going to do my outro now. So listen to it carefully, please, because I have a little tip for a lot of people who are like wondering how I uh, did my juggling act with my uh, with and what kind of juggling balls I was using, because it's true that my juggling balls are reacting like um, like like Russian juggling balls but they don't have sand in it because the problem of the sand is that you can't do contact juggling with those. So people noticed, obviously, it was a juggling convention, so jugglers noticed that when I was drop, when I first dropped all my juggling balls on stage, they didn't uh, just go everywhere like they should have. So they realized, like, oh, there's something in it, so they stay like Russian balls that have sand, but then I started contact juggling with them and then they were like what that's not possible so uh yes it is possible and it's because uh my juggling balls have uh, liquid silicone in them and there's only one guy in the world that does that i don't know if it's true but i'm just gonna say it anyway it's my podcast i do whatever i want and it's davide and he has an amazing comp company like he's producing uh, uh, props, juggling props, and actually circus props, but he started with like juggling props and he's really big in Europe with that because he's actually listening to the jugglers and modifying and evolving his props, listening to the feedback of jugglers. Actu actually, before he puts uh, uh, any props on the market, like his la latest uh, 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 clubs, I think they call like, I don't remember the name. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not a, a club juggler anymore. I, I juggle with, with my juggling ball, so I don't even know the name of his stuff. But his latest club, he worked on it like for years before putting it on the market and selling them. And what he would do is uh, uh, produce a, a, a mock-up and like a, a legit club and send it to the best club jugglers I mean, I say the best, but uh, I don't know. There's so many jugglers, but like cool jugglers doing cool stuff with it, numbers and contact juggling and whatever it is, and listening to their feedback. And every few months, like revisiting the 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 mock-up of the club and changing and evolving and listening. And he, he did that for years before starting the production and putting it on the market. So... That's what he does with all his circus props and specifically juggling props. And that's why I love this guy and I love 
his company play juggling and that's why i have a promo code that i can give you right now so you you just go on the website and whatever juggling prop you buy you enter the promo code and you're gonna get 10 percent off and i'll get a kiss from davide because that's awesome to bring him more business so um i can tell you the promo code but it's like terrible it's like capital g capital h capital b capital p one three q capital q capital r so it's like 13 it's like i need to tell him like can you just make like surreal 10 or something like simple it seems like everybody gets a simple promo code like why did i get the most complicated promo code in the planet uh well, we'll figuring it out. And if you want to order, go on go on a laptop because he's. I just realized that at the convention, like his website is not optimized for cell phones. So it's like you don't understand anything on your cell phone. It's all so small and it doesn't work like great. I I need to tell him that. But like, business is 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 difficult. And he's in Italy. He's Italian. It's like things don't go fast in Italy. Like I mean, cars they drive fast on the highway, but Beside that, everything is freaking slow in Italy and it takes months and years to improve anything. So be happy you can order it online and you're going to get it shipped directly from the factory to you with my awesome promo code. Just look in the show notes and find the promo code. So if you find this podcast valuable, you can support it in many ways. What you can do is rate review and share it that would be amazing go by the props and the dancing with gravity podcast is researched engineered produced edited and performed by me and a bunch of guests on this podcast the theme music is composed and performed by head on television thanks for listening to the show and remember failure is an essential part of juggling. But failing is not the problem. The problem is not learning from your failures. So get out there and juggle, fail, learn, repeat.